0: So I watched the Peyton and Eli uh, broadcast of Monday Night Football last night for the Wait. first time. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've sh- seen
1: it before. I saw it all over social media. Like, just that specific highlight because Marshawn Lynch is the biggest mood I've ever seen. Oh like, the gosh. man is so funny. Yeah, so he, like, straight
0: up comes on. I was, like, watching it before, like, Pete and Eli were going back and forth. Right. Marshawn comes on. Well, for context, they bring on guests. So, like, some, right. like, the... They'll bring on different people throughout the broadcast. So they brought on Marshawn. Marshawn comes on, says he literally just took three shots of Henny, one for him, one for Eli, and one for Peyton. And then he proceeds to just, like, like he's just wild. And at some point, he cursed, like, on this national
1: broadcast. Are we going to address the fact that the man said he has, like, a shot and a half of Hennessy before games? That's what he used to do? It's hysterical. That's unbelievable. He's he's just unbelievable. He's He's, he's beast mode. That's what he is. I remember just even when I used to watch him and like watching fans throw skittles at him and just his overall personality. He's so funny.
0: He is hysterical. Like, he should have his own show. (laughs) Yeah, I would watch that. I'm sorry. Like, Eli,
1: you're great, but like, you are boring. Yeah, okay. Eli's (laughs) boring, but let's not forget the one witty comment Eli made when he was like, I enjoyed all our games against Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. And like those little jabs. That's great. That's great. He
0: does. But it is funny when he says something funny because it's like unexpected.
1: I guess being like generally boring is helpful. Then you have those some witty right. comments, and you stand out. Exactly,
0: I guess. exactly. So it's super interesting. But I think it's funny because they don't even talk about the game at all. The game that's going on, they don't <laughs> talk about
1: it. They just that's like a...
0: it's just on in the background, which I that's think is just so terrible. Well.
1: That is pretty funny. It's
0: basically just hanging out with them while, while they watch the game.
1: I'll hang And out also, then.
0: like Marshawn nice. freaking came in, like it was on the Zoom, like his audio sucked, <laughs> yeah. and like there was a delay.
1: That's so funny. I love him. He's my dream podcast. Oh, he's he, that. He's your dream podcast. He's my dream podcast because Marshawn Lynch never wanted to talk to the press ever. So if you talk to us, so just we know a, we've
0: made it. Right
1: then, I know I've made it in the world. We Correct. might we, we might need to send him like a whole box of Skittles to thank him if he ever <laughs>
0: did come on. Yeah, exactly. Or to lure him, in. maybe that's what we should do: send a whole box of Skittles <laughs> with a note, like a long note, asking him to be on the podcast. I love that. Let's do that. We should do that. Yeah. So should we get into it? Yes. Into it. All right. Um, it is game one of the World Series tonight. We are recording on Tuesday. Um, it is the Houston Astros versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I have to say, oh, and the Astros um beat the Red Sox to get the World Series, and the Braves beat the Dodgers. So I have to say something that I was just thinking about to myself. You know, because that's what I do. I just think about sports (laughs) to myself. Um, is that so? if you look at, like, a sport like football, right, there's only 16 – well, now 17 games, right? And that mm-hmm. that record does not always show exactly how good the team is because you could lose games by a point. You could right. lose games by one score. And there are some teams, like, you know, teams that can get into the playoffs in a wild-card spot with a 10-6 and 6 record and make it to the Super Bowl. However, with baseball, because it's such – a long season normally the record does dictate and show pretty accurately what that team actually looks like and the braves were in one the worst division in baseball this year and didn't have that many wins um, compared to the other you know division winners in the league so it's act it's very it seems much more impressive to me that a team who really wasn't that good in the regular season was able to, you know, be the defending champion Dodgers. Right. So it is really impressive when you look at it that way because the baseball season does seem to be pretty indicative of what a team actually is. So the fact that they've made it this far, I found very impressive in that manner.
1: Does that impress you enough to actually invest your time and effort into watching the World Series and being a fan?
0: No. I mean, (laughs) I don't really care who wins at this point. I, I mean, I'll watch a game or two just cause the World Series. Like, if it goes to a Game Seven, of watch. course I'm watching because I love a Game Seven. But you know, am I gonna watch tonight? Probably not. Maybe have it on the background.
1: You know. And you know what's interesting, Carly? If you could go on social media, you'll see it right away. But you go on like an account like Bleacher Report, ESPN Sports Center, whatever it may be. I mm-hmm. swear to God, I've seen more news about Ben Simmons on oh sports God, right pr- on sports <laughs> pages than I have about the World Series because other oh. sports just still dominate. Well, also
0: these are smaller markets. Yeah. Um, and like for example, even if like, and if for example, the Red Sox got in and the Dodgers yeah. got in I feel like a lot more people watch like Yankees fans would watch for the Red Sox to lose mm-hmm. you know Dodgers have a big market Boston's a big market so I feel like it would be a little different but these are smaller markets
1: and then you just have like the cheating scandal that gives them like a bad rep and yeah over them.
0: yeah a hundred percent
1: but like one subplot that I found like really interesting is that the Astros hitting coach Troy Snicker, and he's gonna be against going against his dad who's Braves manager Brian Snicker. so to have this like father-son dynamic is so funny and yeah sorry he was talking about his son saying that he's gonna want to kick my ass and he said that when they get together they just try to speak generally they try not to like obviously pick each other's brains because it's a conflict too much away right get
0: too much away but it is interesting to be like oh maybe like as a kid like i don't know like maybe like they'll remember something like Troy will remember something his father said as a kid and he'll be like, oh, I remember him teaching me that. He's probably right. using that. That's so, it so is true. Interesting.
1: That's actually so weird. I, so, I don't know why when I was reading this, I kind of thought of you and your dad for some reason, just because, oh, like, you sweet. guys talk football mm-hmm. so much and, like, I feel like you have that dynamic. So I was like, imagine you were going against your dad at, like, the Super Bowl or that something. That would be like, crazy. Be I can't so
0: imagine fun. being in that position because obviously, like, you want the best for, like, the other For your person. family member.
1: I know. It's like you'd be happy they won because you Especially love them
0: Especially so in, like, like a father relationship like a father child relationship yeah that's so true yeah um but you know world series game one we'll see what happens yeah are Um, we gonna talk about the giants unfortunate (laughs) so we actually won which was great um Mm -hmm. and i wasn't there
1: but i meant like because they're injuries well yeah so
0: i mean we can talk about the win Yeah, Um, I, you know, a win is a win. The first half wasn't pretty, but, you know, we did some good things.
1: Right. And
0: I mean, not like the Panthers are very good, but a win is a win. and (laughs) That's the end of it. I have to say, like, at least like there were some creative play calls and, um, you know, some players stepped up. So that was good to see. But I found out today I got an ESPN alert a few hours ago Mm -hmm. that Jabril Peppers is out for the season with a ruptured ACL. In addition, he has a high ankle sprain. Just like another severe blow to the already injured team. Um, it's just like, oh, it just get from bad to worse.
1: Yeah, it's like kicking us all we down. It's a little yeah. sad. Yeah,
0: speaking of getting kicked while we're down, <laughs> the Jets got blown out by the Patriots <laughs> and allowed 50-plus points.
1: Stop. Stop. Head coach Robert, Robert Salah said, quote, the Patriots punched us in the freaking mouth.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, my God, um, it's so that I, that was like a college football score.
1: It's so, it, mm, and I feel like he didn't, I was look, like, like, kind of listening to the, the postgame press conference, some of the comments he made, and he didn't really get specifics. He just said, like, it starts with coaches, like, from top down, like, he mm-hmm. said himself, he's never really, like, he said he's embarrassed, quite frankly to be honest.
0: Yeah. I I mean, at least he says he's embarrassed because at least like, he's like being emotional when his press right. conferences and like showing the fans that he's upset too.
1: I mean, rookie quarterback Mac Jones kind of stunned. They allowed him to come to complete passes to 11 different receivers. Um, you know, yeah. so, I mean,
0: yeah, he had a, g- a great game. I mean, but also the, jets. <laughs> the let, jets let them walk all over the jets, you know, yeah. so, um, but, uh, Next, let's go on another talk about another young quarterback who's really impressing this year. That's Joe Burrow. Um, so the Bengals mm-hmm. beat the Ravens this week, 41 17 in a divisional game. Are the Bengals legit?
1: Carly. It's so <sighs> funny when we were talking about NFL predictions, you were talking about the relationship between Joe Burrow and then Jamar chase like that combination. Mm-hmm. And Jamar chase has also been just absolutely amazing.
0: Yes. I, I mean, they already had that chemistry from LSU, mm-hmm. and now it's definitely showing. It's almost like, I mean, of course, like, the team has improved as a whole. Like, Joe Burrow is definitely protected more in the pocket, things like that. But it's almost like he got his safety blanket with Jamar Chase. Like, he got his guy.
1: Right. You know, I feel like because I have so many family members in Cincinnati and I go there every year, I can hop yeah. on that bandwagon without <laughs> seeming like I'm hopping on the bandwagon, you know? You know what? I'll accept it it's <laughs> fine and I'm kind oh, of I done with it. the Giants so I might do that
0: yeah Joe Burrow get yourself a nice little Burrow jersey and yeah the end of the day. for
1: sure and he had the biggest glove ever Carly come on
0: oh I know we were
1: talking about <laughs> this like two weeks ago
0: you were like yeah. you were like when did this happen <laughs> like
1: he literally if you see his college pictures and look at him now it's like what it's crazy yeah I we mean, applaud
0: you Joe all the stress made him age but it worked in his favor <laughs> yeah <laughs> so true um, but we have to talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs.
1: Big Ugh. yikes.
0: Yeah. Like, they got blown out by the Titans in a surprising game. They have not been doing well. Mahomes has been throwing interceptions everywhere. and Now he's injured with a oh. possible concussion. It is just going downhill for the Chiefs. And I have to say, like, something I was talking about with my dad about this was mm-hmm. – like maybe like they've they're just like shook from not winning at this point, you know. Like Mahomes was was came in the league, he then he got an MVP, then he won the Super Bowl. You know, they're so accustomed to winning, and then they got to the Super Bowl against the Bucks and they got blown out, they got exposed. All right. And maybe they don't have an identity anymore because their identity was winning.
1: Right. That's so true. Yeah. It- <laughs> It kind of reminds me of also just Russell Wilson's woes and, like, yeah. him trying to turn around his season. It's, like, these guys that we've just relied on considered stars. It's it's sad. And, I mean, I actually feel horrible just kind of on a, as a side note. I know the NBA season just started, but everyone knows that I love Dame, and The guy's been just absolutely mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, he was zero for eight from the three the other night. And it's just so sad when you see stars kind of take this huge tumble and you don't know where it's coming from. You right. just don't understand it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So – I don't know if they're going to be able to turn around um, or it just might be a season of looking themselves in the mirror and figuring out who they really are. Right. Uh, So next we're going to talk about, uh, this is actually quite funny. So Tom Brady threw his 600th touchdown pass against Mm -hmm. the bears this Sunday. Um, And, so this whole thing happened with the yeah i saw that so mike evans caught that touchdown pass and without thinking he so generously gave it to a fan well then they realized they have to get the ball back because the historical (laughs) ball it belongs to brady and may end up in the Hall of fame um so they had to negotiate with the guy the fan who got the ball for him to give it back (laughs) so this is what they're giving him the bucks are giving this fan the following okay two signed jerseys and a helmet from tom brady a signed mike evans jersey and his game cleats a one thousand dollar credit at the team store two season passes for the remainder of this season as well as next season and Brady also offered to give this man Bitcoin worth, like, $62,000 <laughs> like, or something.
1: Wait, wait. And, like, ESPN's caption, they didn't include Bitcoin. Tom Brady comments commented, also Bitcoin.
0: Right. How yeah, he commented.
1: I was like, so wow. So
0: I asked our listeners what they would have asked for in exchange for the bowl. Um, Someone said all of those items and then season tickets for life and for the next generation. (laughs) Because if this thing is worth half a million dollars, I should be getting that. That's a good point. Another listener said this is actually hysterical. I'm sending Tom a link to my eBay auction. That thing is sold before I even leave the stadium. Oh, my God. That's so (laughs) Like, make Tom buy his own ball back. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: How great is that? Yeah. Seriously,
0: though. Absolutely hysterical. So, uh, that was just, like, really funny. Um, uh, Next thing, there's a lot of NFL news this week. We really have a lot. Um, Yeah. Is that there's been some talk about uh, Watson getting traded, including, like, interest from Miami, who lost again this week and is having a really bad season. But we, I still don't know if he can play. Right. Like, no one knows what the status <laughs> no. of this man is. <laughs> no
1: one knows what's happening. Oh. So
0: just a little, like, tidbit there of, like, some development with that. But who really knows?
1: <laughs> and then
0: last thing that has been coming up this week in, in terms of uh, next week of the season is um, – that multiple Packers are in COVID protocol, including star wide receiver Devonte Adams, and they oh have really—they have a really big game coming up Thursday against the undefeated Cardinals. I wonder if they're vaccinated. I think they are. That's just really rough, then. That's yeah, I, I think they are, and it's just you know, it's not a hundred percent, and you know,
1: they caught yeah. it, they
0: can't play. So it's
1: unfortunate.
0: Yeah. So. I mean, Devonte Adams especially will be yeah. really missed yeah, for the Packers. For sure. Uh, let's get into some NBA talk. So we actually put a question up on our Insta as like all this Ben Simmons drama continues to unfold. So I asked our listeners who is more disliked by their teammates right now, <laughs> Ben Simmons or Kyrie Irving, and why? Um, so it was unanimous vote for Simmons
1: that he I mean is how most could like? Of course he's disliked because it's a matter yes. of like personal choice like I mean he, oh, like yeah. I understand Kyrie's is personal choice, but it's it's just different and like as a fan, you just feel like he's not putting his his effort in he doesn't care.
0: Ben Simmons is just he's clearly telling the team like I don't want to be here. I don't care. I don't care about the success of the team, any of it. And like I there was a couple things like, um, someone said, like, Kyrie was never thrown under the bus by his teammates. But then another listener said, which I thought was really interesting, like, wh- like Ben Simmons isn't, like, a crazy good athlete like Kyrie. And, like, Ben, like, has refused over and over again to do the bare minimum to improve his game. Right. And now he's disappearing, like, when the season starts. So it's, like, you haven't put the work in to better yourself. Now you're being, like, a drama queen about it
1: but you know what's interesting no matter what he does the Philadelphia 76ers president Daryl Morey just said this a few days ago his exact quote on the fanatic would you rather eliminate what people perceive to be a distraction or would you rather have better playoff odds I'll take playoff odds whatever we have to deal with that helps the Sixers win the title we'll do it but he's saying that he's saying if Simmons were willing to hold on that long this would go on for four years he's like we're gonna keep keep trying to hang on to him so it's pretty crazy
0: that is crazy I know yeah
1: But uh, any other NBA news of worth, Sarah? Um, I don't really, like, quite... I'm quite trying to distance myself from the NBA right now, given the fact that my Blazers have been really struggling. I mean, we had that one win against the Suns that, like, made me feel like we redeemed ourselves after, like, a really sad loss to the Kings. But the other night against the Clippers, we had just a blowout loss, and Dame, once again, has been struggling in a way that no one understands. I mean, like I said before, 0 free from the 3, just didn't look like himself and it, it's been the, the past few games so I just really hope to see him on the rise again but there's this is the guy that let's remember I predicted to be the MVP yeah. of the season so not not a great <laughs> not a great bold prediction it's self, early
0: it's early it's early I guess we'll see what happens so let's get into the NHL bet um a big scandal seems to be unfolding with the Chicago Blackhawks so Their general manager and president of Hockey Operations, Stan Bowman, uh, has stepped down after the conclusion of an independent investigation into allegations that a former assistant coach sexually assaulted two players back in 2010. Now, this isn't just the only thing that has come up during this investigation. Also, a former trainer was alleged to have committed the sexual assault of a player during the team's. Stanley Copperon, also in 2010, and then another lawsuit has been filed on top of that, which is totally separate, also against this trainer from a former student at Michigan. Um, and then there there's also um, some information that uh, he allegedly sexual sexual advances toward an intern with the Blackhawks. Oh my this god! This just seems, it, it, and this is just seems to be the tip of the iceberg because we're just hearing about these, you know, allegations right
1: now. And in typical, you know, sports team fashion, they handle it horribly. So the league is fining them $2 million for their inadequate internal procedures and insufficient, untimely response to a very sensitive situation. It's just horrible.
0: And they aren't maintaining any uh, senior management who was there in 2010. Um, So they want to completely get rid of anyone who might have been involved
1: well whenever you find one thing just like the greed in situation just other things unfold yes. and everything comes out i was just gonna say the washington football team mm-hmm.
0: situation at the moment like once it's just like a snowball effect
1: yeah it's, it's crazy
0: yeah so um in better news we have a really awesome interview for you guys um with your super special guest. We're really excited for the interview and we will see you guys there.
1: Hi, guys. We're here with Nabil Kareem, ESPN anchor on SportsCenter. Nabil, thank you so much for making the time for us because I know your schedule is just insane.
2: No, I appreciate you guys having me. This is going to be fun.
1: OK, great. Um, we'll just get right into it because um, of my half hour of technical difficulties. Um, so we know you're part of the TSN family before. Can you tell us about your current role at ESPN and like what your day to day is like?
2: Yeah. So I came from TSN. I was there for about eight, eight and a half years, something along that range. Um, currently uh, working at SportsCenter ESPN. My, my role right now is the nighttime anchor. So I do SportsCenter at night uh mostly between like 11 and 2 a.m that's when you probably see me if if you're watching sports center at night so you know if you're you're talking about just my day-to-day get into work around i'd say around six and around that 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 range depending on when the show is 5 36 uh you know you're on air 10 11 12 sometimes Mm -hmm. one depending on the day but um, you know, you get into work, we usually talk with our CPs and our producers about what's going on. Prior to the pandemic, we used to actually get in even earlier and have a news meeting, um, but we don't really do that for the night shows anymore. We kind of do it when we get there. Um, just we're not gathering a whole bunch of people in the room together. But um, yeah, so kind of talk about some of the ideas, what some of the big stories are. You get in, uh, you just set up, you know, got sports center going, the early sports center going here. Um, reading and writing and and just keep in mind throughout the day you're also prepping and kind of researching and reading and just kind of keeping up on what's going on so it's kind of like a constant cycle i hate twitter but (laughs) you're always on twitter right just to make sure you know uh what's what's on the up and up and so you kind of have an idea going into to the work night i would say uh, on what some of the bigger stories are some of the bigger matchups in the night um and, and what you can kind of be creative with right uh, and what people will find interesting so start writing you, you know right around that 6 six thirty mark when you kind of have an idea of what the show is going to be like we have the full rundown there it's kind of built at that point can change with breaking news obviously uh, or any kind of big uh, stories that come out in the night but kind of write around that and then you know the games that you're kind of honed in on that you kind of okay I need to know a little bit more because sometimes when you get these cold scripts or shot beats as we call them Um, you know there might be some plays that are missing or there might be you know some dead air time or something where you got to fill and so you kind of got to know as much as you can about a little bit you got to kind of know a little bit about everything if that makes any sense and so you're kind of just prepping you're watching games at the same time and so that's kind of how my night goes uh it's it's not as much writing as I used to do when I first got to ESPN because the the different shows have different amounts of writing the morning show you got a lot of writing noon shows a little more breaking news a little more newsy the six o'clock is definitely a lot more newsy but then the night shows are really about like highlights highlights getting people uh the best plays the best storylines of the night and I think that's what we really try to focus in on but uh that's kind of how my night goes we get out of there I don't know, anywhere between 2, 3 o'clock in the morning.
1: Wow. And I know you said you – okay, you said you hate Twitter, but I do know you're active on Twitter, obviously, because of your role. What do you – like, who do you think is one of the funniest, like, sports personalities to follow? Like, I'm sure you follow, like, Wob, like, some of the well-known ones. Like, who do you yeah. think is a-
2: – Wow, there are some really good ones. Uh, Josiah right now is really funny with the memes. He is mm-hmm. – yeah, he is so good right now. Anytime there's any game, he's ready to go. He's got these memes that are just – incredible um there's so many good different follows in different sports yeah um i even feel like some of the like some of the writers now some of the writers who are covering some of these teams and, and sometimes they kind of just pop up in your feed you know the algorithm picks it up or someone's yeah maybe i'm not even following them and knowing them but everyone's getting really c- clever right now on, on twitter and everyone's trying to be funny And yeah. i know
1: the- I kind of like it, though. I feel like it's more authentic than Instagram. Like, I prefer to go on Twitter for sports news sometimes than I do other
2: platforms. I love it. I love it as a news feed. Don't get me wrong. I love it as a newsfeed. Yeah. Uh, I just find, like, the negativity and the bickering back and forth. That's just not for me. Yeah. That is for some people. And they. more power to you. I know some of my coworkers and and colleagues and people in our industry who live on this. And even in Canada, when I was... Uh, Working can and they live on it they're on it all day and some are really good on it and add a lot of valuable content some are funny and other people would just you know they want to bash heads with people you can just tell they're, they're looking to pick a fight that's yeah. just not me um and so i just got into a point where i'm like okay i, I use it for what i need it for um but i don't know I, i've gone through so many different phases of twitter um that this is kind of where I'm at right now as far as you know its usage and and what I what I think of it just because it, it got to be especially like mid-pandemic that thing was a cesspool uh, yeah. when there was no sports. <laughs> I was like yeah it was I don't want any part of it yeah
1: I gotcha
0: yeah I actually I can't agree more Twitter what a great place for news but past that it's just you know I think the internet in general is just like it, it you can you can get anything out there but um
2: yeah. And, and you know, what the thing is too, is you can pick and choose your spots. And that's what I kind of do now, right? Like yeah. I pick and choose. It's not just for you. Sometimes it's entertainment, there's fun. And there's, and there's, there's great humor on there, right? And there's a lot yeah. of great personalities on there. Um, and it's cool to be able to be connected to people you would never be connected to. Uh, but for me, I personally like to pick my spots, know where I want to go and, and what content I want to get. And I feel happier that way. Uh, that, again, that's just me. Maybe I'm not using it to its full potential uh, for somebody, you know, who's on air or whatever, but I don't care. I, cool. I just feel like that's best for me.
1: One side note though, for our listeners, that's how I first talked to Nabil. I went on Instagram and DM would him, not thinking he would answer, but I was like, you know, might as well. Cause I read your profile and I was like, I love your profile. And you were like, hi, like, how are you? And I was like, wow. So you never know sometimes like I've, I've cold emailed or DM would sports personalities that I like admire or would like to get to know. And sometimes you do get responses that you don't expect. So that's been beneficial for me. Career-wise, too, honestly.
2: Yeah, on it. If, if somebody and this has been the case because I was in your position at one time too, when I was coming up, mm-hmm. and uh, we didn't have Instagram at that time or Twitter, <laughs> but you know, I, w- I would email people or I, I make myself sound old, but email. <laughs> uh, you know, like phone calls. I hated phone calls. I just found them really hard. Cold calls were really hard. Yeah. Nice. Um, and so I would really try to email them if I could. Facebook at that time was still you know kind of getting big, so. Um, basically anyone emails me about the industry, but I always try to get back to them and yeah. whether or not it get, you know, it turns into a conversation or networking or whatever that, that depends on that person. Right. Cause I've had people who are great, really interested. And I give them all the advice that, you know, I can give. Um, and then there's other people who don't really follow up again. And that's just up to them. But yeah. um, I know what it's like to be in that position. So I, I try to, to at least, you know, reach back and, and see if I can. Right. help. Them.
0: Right. So kind of going off a bit, you're talking about, you know, where you came from, um, you've, um, based on some of the things we've read, uh, you're, you were a criminology major in college. Um, what made you want to transition to sports and what was that transition like?
2: Yeah. So I I grew up in Vancouver, British Columbia. So I was, uh, it's in Canada and you guys are based in the States, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, way on the West Coast in Canada, and I was going to university there. And in, in high school, I wanted to do this. I really wanted to be a sports broadcaster, but then when it came to uh, making decision on what university or college to go to, I just kinda, people who look like me at that time, we're talking like early 2000s, 1999, 2000. Like there weren't too many of us that of and so it's hard to imagine yourself um, being in a position like this. And so I said, I forgot it. Like it just sounded too hard. And so I didn't feel like it was attainable. And so my sister was already um, going to law school at that time. And she was becoming a criminal lawyer. And so honestly, <laughs> the easy way out was to just follow her footsteps, right? And um, that's exactly what I did. And I did it for about a couple of years. And so I wasn't in law school. This is still undergrad, but, you know, focusing on criminology, majoring in criminology. And I liked it. Uh, did I love it? No. Uh, and then I saw the kind of work she was doing in law school and I was like, holy shit, this is not for me. And, um, and, and it kept bugging me. Like when I, especially that first, first year, you're just kind of getting used to like school, everything's exciting, you know, you're in college, university, whatever it is. That second year when things start to get a little more real, that's when I was like, okay, man, I really wanted to do a sports broadcasting thing and I think I could be good at it. And it still was itching at me and I was still doing research like I was actually in sports. I probably did more research than I do now to be honest. You know, when you're a fan, you're always reading, you're always looking at stuff and you're always so enthralled, right? Um, And so I just had this like, honestly this internal conversation with myself at one point. And I was like, I gotta try this. Like I gotta do it before it's too late. And so while I was still majoring, um, I reached out to a whole bunch, just doing what you guys are doing right now. I reached out to a whole bunch of different people uh, who were successful in the industry in Canada and I asked them for advice. And I mean, I'm talking like 20, 25 people in that range. And I got enough information to be like, okay, this is how I can get to where I wanna get to. And then I had this like difficult conversation with my parents because they were not used to, again, people in our community going into broadcasting like they had for it they had no idea what i was talking about uh you know we have a lot of lawyers doctors business finance you know
1: I'm that club I'm, I'm part of this yeah
2: you know what i'm talking about right even trades we, we have a lot of like, people are really getting a lot of different things broadcasting is not one of them. that's changed that's really changed in the last 15 years but at that time it wasn't the case and so even when I went to them and said, hey, I wanna switch, it was a difficult conversation, right? And so they knew, the great thing was that I'd done my research and so they had questions and I had answers and the answers I didn't have, I just made up at that time um, hoping that it would work out, right? And so um, they ended up jumping on board and were really supportive. So what I did basically, long story short is I just switched my major and minor. I did a major in communications, minor in criminology my deal with them was that if I wasn't successful in five years after broadcast school, then I would go back and do law school. So I got my degree and so I could go to law school after that. Um, And so that, that's what it was. Like, I just came up with this plan and I used to have this, this is not a joke. I used to have a piece of paper and I had uh, had five goals on there. And the fifth goal was making it into a major market um, in Canada. Those are my goals. I used to keep it in my wallet. So whenever things kind of got difficult or the job sucked, especially the first couple jobs, uh, you know, times were tough. I'd always look at it and, and kind of just refocus myself to be like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. This is why I made all these sacrifices, moved away, missing birthdays, missing friends, parties, family, whatever. Right. And so that was a that was a great tool for me, just a visual tool to to remind myself and why I'm doing this and that was the long story i'm sorry it was long <laughs> yeah. it.
0: you're you're actually not the first person that i've heard of that like back in college um there was like an author who had worked in sports that came and spoke to us and he said carry around your goals in your wallet yeah like write well, them love- down and carry them around and i i did it actually you know so and it works
1: <laughs> oh wow. I, I, so, I still do it i'm not
2: joking like i still do it um i haven't done it recently but in so, Getting to ESPN, I did it, uh, you know, and I, so I've done it in the last three years. Uh, and I just have to refocus myself every so often. I don't do it so often that it's, I, I find it loses its effect almost. But I like to do it for <laughs> like kind of long term. And long term for me is like every five year, five year kind of thing. But I still do it because if I don't write it down, I don't hold myself accountable. Yeah. I can put it in my mind. That's like yeah. you know, you want to go to the gym today. You want to, do, you can put it in your mind. Right. It's easy to make excuses then. Uh, but I find like if it's in front of you, if you write down a piece of paper, you put it on your computer, whatever it is, whatever your your method is, I find you're more accountable. That's just just for me. So yeah. I can cross it out. If you can physically cross something out, there, there's a sense of accomplishment to that.
1: Um, Nabil, you mentioned diversity. I don't know if you're friendly with Anish Raf. He's one of the first people I ever talked to before I worked at the NBA. And he, like, he told me that he would actually call like parents of like Indian American young adults and like help convince them why sports was like an okay path, which is like one of the funniest anecdotes I have from networking. But going off of that, um, we read some articles about you kind of talking about being a proud Muslim journalist. What do you think we can do to encourage and promote more diversity with like within big sports
2: networks? Well, I think, First of all, it's up to the networks themselves, right, uh, to want to go out and continue to do what they're doing. I, I look at a place, I, I mean, I can only speak for where I'm at right now at ESPN, and we got, you know, quite a bit of diversity, I think. Um, and, it, and it could be better, and I'm sure it's going to get better. Again, I look at the last 10, 12 years since I've been in the industry, and I'm going back to Canada more because that's my my wheelhouse. but from then to now, it's it's crazy how, how many more faces we're seeing, diverse faces that we're seeing and, and more representation that we're getting. So I think that's important for the networks to continue to do that, continue to push uh, and make sure uh, you know we're well represented across the board. Um, for me personally, I, I think it's just like, be true to yourself. You know, you just gotta be true to yourself. And, and sometimes it's difficult when you're in the public eye um, and it's going to be different for everybody so you know again like i said there's some people who are on twitter who are going at it and some like that's not me um and i i've just come to that but for me like i'll give you an example when when i was in toronto and i got my big break at tsn this is like 2013 2012 2013 that, that year i went through some crazy racist backlash on twitter okay and it was so much so it was trending on twitter tsn had to put out a, a press release it was me and another co-anchor uh, of color and um they, i mean listen they had to put a press release out at one point because it happened so it happened three different times and the third time they finally did something about it um and so i got a little press coverage and so forth now at that time i didn't want to say anything i was like i don't want to be known as the brown guy you know i want to i want to be i want to fit in i want to be i'm really young at the time I, in this role where I'm, it's daunting and, and it's, you know, you're on a sports center and you're new, whatever. I just wanted to fit in. Now, if I could do that again, I probably would handle it a different way. I want to speak out a little bit, right. And, and tell them how I'm feeling and who, who I am and how I'm proud of, you know, my background. And, and um, I just wasn't there at that point yet. So I, I think it's just like, you know, it's, it's different for everybody, but you just got to be genuine and be true to yourself and represent, you know, who you are who your community is. Uh, And I think we're at a time now where it's, I do not say it's easier, uh, but I think more people are doing that and more people are open about it. And I think that's that's amazing. That's the only way you can really do it and do it properly, I think.
0: Yeah, I think you make some great points there. And um, like you said, it's definitely um, becoming a better space where people feel more represented. Um, They can look at on TV at, you know, their favorite sports leagues or shows or whatever and, and see someone that looks like them. I think that's super important.
2: Um, yeah. You know, when I I'll just quickly is like when I get messages once in a while from people, um, it's usually like a DM or something and be like, hey man, I saw you or like, you know, in person, I, you know, I used to watch it and it makes me feel super old because I don't think I'm that old, but I guess I'm getting up there because there are people now who saying they've been watching me on TV. Um, it doesn't register right away. But when we have these kinds of conversations, now it registers and it, and it is pretty cool because when I was growing up, I only had a few people to look at or to look up to. And I'm not just saying I looked up only to minorities. I'm just saying it, it makes the job more attainable, right? It makes it feel like it's more attainable. Um, but for somebody to come tell me that now, it feels pretty cool, to be honest. It, it feels pretty cool. And when we're having these conversations, it, it's good to know that, um, you know, it's kind of being passed down and we have more representation now across the board for everybody.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, To get a little bit more specific, um, what is an event or maybe a story that you cover that really stands out to you in your career? Uh,
2: I've been lucky, like I've traveled a lot for work, especially when I was at TSN early on, I traveled a lot. Um, I'd say the best event, like I've, I've hosted TSN's version of the we had secondary rights for the Olympics in, in Canada so I hosted that a couple of times. Um, so I'm thinking like more big international events. I've been to the World Cup in Brazil that was really cool. Um, that was I mean that's like the Mecca of soccer right? Um, I think the best event though that I've been to because Brazil, the World Cup in Brazil was really difficult as far as we, we went really late so it was hard to get a lot of access to things we did the euros in 2012 and i know some people are not especially this kind of like some people just do not like soccer right um but if you do or even if you don't i always if you can get to an international event just put on a jersey from either side whatever you pick pick a side pick uh pick smartly like accordingly to where you are but pick a side it is the craziest event. It is the biggest party you will ever go to. It's unbelievable. The Euros were in Ukraine and Poland that year. This is no joke. We This was poor planning on our part, uh, TSN's part. Uh, we flew back and forth about 23 times between the two countries in a month. We just kept going back and forth, back and forth. It, it was a logistical nightmare just because of the way it was planned. But um, it was an incredible event to go to. And, um, Poland had the first game against Greece and the backstory to Poland was that, um, they basically, people thought they couldn't host an event like this, an international event like this. And so my producer who's with me, who's also my camera guy. He was Polish. He's giving me all this background and why it's so important for the country. Anyways, they're starting the national anthems going on. And I look over and people are crying like crying i've never seen anything like it like just bawling in in poland there and i look over and so is my camera guy and it meant that much to him so it's really cool it's just a really neat event and and just, just countries coming together i think it's it's just something that's special i'm assuming i haven't been physically at the olympics uh i missed the one in vancouver which I'm still kicking myself about but um i think that would probably be very similar but for me probably the euros and the world cup
0: Sarah, it looks like uh in order to for
1: us to like soccer we might have to do some traveling <laughs> i know i was literally thinking in one of our first episodes me and carly publicly stated that we've never watched a full soccer game and my dad like grew up in the middle east so he's like super into it and me and carly are trying so between my dad whose name is Nabil, and this Nabil, i'm going to try my best to uh to watch a full game of
2: soccer <laughs> when the world comes when the world cup comes up next which is coming up uh, yeah you just got to check out a game just just yeah. all in one game or you know if you can't put in the full game early on early round robins i get it uh but just start watching us as, as the as the round you know when the elimination rounds start coming up it's just incredible but it's different again being at home and watching and, and being at the actual events so if you ever get okay. a chance to beat an event the world cup's coming to the united states eventually i think 2026 20, i think it is something that's the time to go yeah, okay.
1: Um, not to bring it back locally, but I have to ask, because in one of the podcasts you did, you said the NBA and basketball in general is your favorite sport. Me and Carly always talk about how the NBA has kind of distinguished themselves. Like, even social media-wise, they have more followers than any other league, than even ESPN. So like, what do you think makes that league so distinguishable for fans over, like, the NFL or the
2: MLB, let's say? Personality it's the, they have the biggest personalities. I mean, you look at a guy like LeBron James and, and LeBron James is okay. You could say maybe he's an outlier fine, but they have, you know, 15, 20 other guys like that who are leading the way. I mean, you look at right now, a guy like Ben Simmons. Okay. Ben Simmons is not out in the media right now, as far as him speaking, but his situation is so unique. The guy has got like what $150 million left on his contract. He wants out. Um, he's coming off the worst basketball of his career, like, these stories just don't happen in any other sports, like, a guy like that would never ask for a trade, but, and if it is, it's an outlier, NBA, it's always happened, it's always, like, their off-season is better than their regular season, there's no doubt about it, there's more drama in the off-season than there is in the regular season, they have a lot of movement, uh, NBA free agency is always a thing, I know with the year, um, the year I moved to Toronto, I mean, the year to Connecticut, sorry, was the year the Raptors won, and Kawhi Leonard situation was happening, and I was so locked in every day, and this is when I first met Woj, right? I'm, I'm working with Woj, and every time we get off camera, I'd ask Woj, "What's going on? Like, what's ha- I don't care about anything else. Is Kawhi coming back to Toronto? Is coming?" And I would bug him all the time, and he just would avoid me in the hallways all the time because he knew what question is coming next but I, I just think that their personality just resonates with people whether you like it you don't like it um you still want to watch it or you want to pay attention to it and I think they've done a really good job of um of allowing their players to be themselves
1: you okay Nabil? are you saying that you and Woj are best friends do you have a group chat I feel like that's what you're saying
2: I feel like if I texted Woj you probably wouldn't text <laughs> me back anymore but no, he's great. You know what? He's such a nice guy, man. Uh, yeah. Again, my first year there before the pandemic, that campus is booming, right? There's so many people there and, and he's there with his backpack on. He's got two cell phones, his, whatever, right? Um, and that's what I was literally walking around talking and he's just going like this all the time. Um, but he was so nice to me. And again, I haven't seen him that much because of all the pandemic. We, when we do stuff, it's always over uh, you know, Skype or Zoom or whatever um but yeah he's a great great individual and um he it's it's very very interesting to have a basketball conversation with him off the record let's put it that way you know you get a lot of really cool nuggets that you just not get from anybody else
0: that's awesome that's such a cool like inside take that's great um transitioning a bit uh we want to get into the nfl a little with you um obviously or mid NFL season at this point. Um, so it's a bit early, but were are the, some of the teams you're looking at as mo- most likely playoff teams? And do you think the extra week, having that week 17 is going to affect how the playoff picture looks?
2: You know, it's interesting. You talk about the week 17 because we were doing a, a sports center. We used these sports centers on Sundays at seven o'clock. And I did the first I think, three, four weeks, whatever it was. And uh, me and Zubin are working together and Zubin is an encyclopedia. He's the smartest guy I know. Um, and we had the stat right off the top of the show. It's actually week two because the, the stat was teams that go 0-2, their chances of making the playoffs like drop dramatically. It's just, it's a historically, it's a crazy stat. I don't know what off the top of my head, but it drops dramatically. And that's what we started with. And... Uh, I said that to Zubin and was yeah it's interesting in a 16 game season but 17 game season we don't know right and so there's going to be all these different factors we very interesting I don't know how it's going to play out but I think it's going to be uh, really interesting to see how that 17th game uh, you know plays a part in especially in playoff implications I think right now I mean I look at like look at what Arizona's doing like Kyler Murray's on a different level uh that team is i don't know that's obviously a playoff team but i'm just looking at teams like that um what cincinnati did the other day joe burrow i mean we were talking about Jamar. we're joking up we did a lot of joking around sports center about that guy not being able to catch anymore having the yips in, in in um preseason and now he's what he started off no no receivers had numbers like he's had i think it's after like what five six games or whatever it is so Um, there are a lot of great stories. I think for me, what's really intriguing are these young quarterbacks. I think that's just just such a fascinating story to see like Trevor Lawrence, how he's doing Zach Wilson, who's now hurt. He's gone for what, two to four weeks, um, to, to see a guy like Mac Jones who dropped down to literally the perfect system for Mac Jones, uh, with the Patriots. So I think that for me has really been the biggest story. Uh, seeing how some of these young quarterbacks doing, and then a guy like Joe Burrow who's gone for so long, and now look at him. I mean, he was good before he left, but now he's—you're really seeing that this guy can be super elite, um, and he's probably going to end up being one of the one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, in a very short period of time, and then you throw in Justin Herbert too. By the way, Justin Herbert's just—I mean, that guy can—that guy can throw a ball, man. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Wait, what NFL team do you support?
2: Don't have them I don't know. Here's my story. Here's my story though. Because I grew up in Vancouver, I liked Seattle, but uh, Randy Moss was my favorite player. And so I was that guy who liked whatever team Randy Moss was on. I even have an Oakland Raiders, Randy Moss Jersey at home somewhere in Vancouver, which is trash because those were wasted years for him. But uh, Randy Moss is my guy and he's the one, I just have not met him at ESPN. And, and, you know, we have all these people come through and we see all these people. And, you know, once you get to a certain point, it's like, whatever. But if Randy Moss walked by down the hallway, I would totally geek him out. I don't even care. You will know when I meet Randy Moss. I'm going to post a photo, like, probably three days in a row. Three different ones of me and Randy Moss. Because I'm not kidding. That guy's my favorite player of all time. Um, And so wherever he went is that's the team I would support. So now we're trying to find the team. But you can't just pick, like, the best team, right? I can't bandwagon the team. So i'm thinking maybe the chargers maybe the Bengals. you know they got good young quarterbacks they're not great yet uh and so i can jump on their their bandwagon while they're still kind of coming up and not great and then uh, you don't want
1: to join our our giants <laughs> you don't want to be with me and carly and start supporting Support the, Gi- the, giants?
2: the giants? New York giants no no, <laughs> no. no giants. wait
1: so carly carly has season tickets for the Giants for years she goes every year and she's been trying to sell tickets it's not it's been a tough tough sell
0: it's very difficult but I do have to say I like your strategy of picking a team you know pick a team that's on the come up and especially you got Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow behind center you know there's a good future there
2: yeah so again and that's me like again nitpicking and kind of picking two great young quarterbacks but I want to pick them before they get too like their, their ceiling moves up even higher because then everyone's gonna be like oh you picked Joe Bar-, you know what I mean like I gotta pick them now and commit to them now yeah
0: you have to decide quickly like get that it's jersey right late. now
2: I should have picked them earlier in the year that's fine yeah. whatever I'm gonna say I did anyways
0: we won't tell anyone yeah, no, no. yeah. except all the people
1: that listen to this podcast
2: <laughs> right but we can edit we can edit stuff out that's fine that's the whole point. Right, right
1: that's what I do yeah <laughs> um Nabil I have to ask a question so I've been a very big kareem family fan like i have to be the number one fan of your family and i look at your wife and her cute recipe post and i love your kids and your your forest raptors fandom on them so i have to ask like how do you balance such a busy career with, like spending time with your wife and kids like i'm sure there's many you know holidays you even had to miss being home
2: yeah by the way that's the only team that's forced on them is the raptors that's the only one and that's like non-negotiable, non-negotiable. um you know what it's so important to me, especially when we moved away, you know, you come to a new country, you don't know anybody, everything's kind of, you know, things are different, right. From Canada. And so uh, it's even brought us even closer. Um, and, and for me, family is so important. My kids are so important that I always try to, I'm, I'm literally sitting in their playroom right now. This is what I'm sitting. I'm sitting in their playroom. I'm sitting on like their bag chairs. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but this is the only way I could do this thing. Um, but no, I, my days off, which are like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, those are like sacred to me. So I, I try to not plan anything else around those days, especially in the summer. You know, we'll go day trips or do this or that, whatever we could do safely in the last couple of years. But I just feel like it's so important to spend that time. My son's six, my daughter's two, and just to see how fast they're growing up. And they've been so good about you know coming on this adventure with me that I want to make it fun for them too. And so. I think it's really important. Like I know for me, when I'm prepping throughout the day, you know, my daughter's at home right now. So, so I can play with her at times, take breaks or whatever. But I tried to finish prepping by four because I know my son's going to be home at four and from four to about five, 5.30, I want to spend that time with him, right? Otherwise I'm not going to get any time to spend with him. So um, I think it's it's just so important because at the end of the day, whatever network, whatever station you work for, whatever job you have, really, at any point they could be like, Sorry, we're done with you, right? Can I think at some point and and it's going to happen, right? Uh, But hopefully your family doesn't do that to (laughs) you, And so, um, you know, I I think it's just, again, it's just so important. That work-life balance is really hard, especially in this industry. It's really, really hard because if you want to go for it, you want to work really hard. And that's what, you know, different networks want. They want people who are going to work really hard. there's a certain sacrifice you have to make. And I've made a ton of those sacrifices about missing birthdays and big events and family vacations and so forth. And it's worked out because I've gotten to this point, but at some point you want to be able to pull back a little bit because at the end of the day, uh, to me anyways, in my perspective is that um, my family uh, and my, my kids come first and, you know, if they're not happy, I'm not happy. And then who cares about work, right? Like you're not, it's, it's going to be a whole kind of uh, funnel down type system. So um, I just really tried to to carve that time in and make sure, you know, when I am doing that, I put down my phone. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not, you know, trying not to be on Instagram or any of that kind of stuff.
1: That's that's amazing. I'm so glad that we've had the time to get to know you. I've only seen you on Instagram, but getting to know you like more personally was great. So thank you so much for making the time for us.
2: Thanks for having me guys. I appreciate it.
1: Honestly, Nabil is one of the most genuine people I've talked to in this industry.
0: That interview was so great. I had so much fun talking to him. It was just such a like nice, easy conversation. Um, and I'm so glad that you got him on. Like, Way to go, Sarah.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm so grateful that he took the time to respond. And honestly, just aside from being a really amazing sports personality i just love the fact that he's you know a huge family man he's you know a voice for minorities who are trying to pursue the same thing and i think he's just like a wonderful role model for a lot of young young professionals out there. yeah he
0: was super down to earth for having like such like a big job you know being a sports center host and you know being on tv with espn like he was really down to earth and it was just an awesome conversation so um we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did
1: okay but carly all i can think about is him and woj having conversations in the back room about like trades and i'm just like i love that i, I want to would... be a, a fly on the wall <laughs> i know i'm like i would kill for those conversations like they're amazing um imagine having woj as a friend just facetiming him trying to find out what's happening it's wild
0: <laughs> tell me what's going on tell me and it would like, be amazing like
1: Woj would you be like no you gotta wait for everyone else like, i like can't even else keep, i can't even keep like such a simple secret with our own friends So i don't know how Woj can keep secrets it's, it, it amazes me <laughs> it's just truly astounding but that yeah. was such a fun interview it's been a it's been a fun episode
0: yeah i agree um so we'll wrap up here guys um you know where to find us next one up podcast on tiktok instagram and twitter next one up pod at gmail.com we will see you guys next
2: week bye,
1: bye.